You are now listening to What the Health, a podcast dedicated to helping you navigate your way to better health. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 71 of What the Health. I'm your host, Lena Lahire, and today I'm joined by special guest, Dr. Jessica Petros, an internal medicine hospitalist turned functional medicine leader. Dr. Jess has a passion for uncovering the mystery behind the chronic illness, whether that be stealth infections, heavy metals, stress, trauma, or other environmental toxicities. She is a visionary for the future of healthcare and left her position as a board-certified internal medicine hospitalist to pursue functional medicine in order to serve her patients better. Her philosophy embraces that health encompasses the whole patient, mind, body, and spirit, and Dr. Jess has become one of the most sought-after functional medicine leaders. She is known for her ability to help identify the root cause of illness, most often traced back to hidden stealth infections like Lyme, parasites, and mold, Dr. Jess's area of expertise. After graduating with a BA in biology, a minor in psychology, and earning her medical degree from University of Louisville, Dr. Jess worked as a hospitalist for six years before beginning to experience what many of her patients experienced, deep anxiety, hormonal imbalances, and adrenal dysfunction. In the process of trying to heal herself, she sought answers to uncover the root cause of disease, something she thought she had learned in medical school, but realized she had not. She began to investigate alternatives to today's modern medical industry that treats every ill with a pill. Dr. Jess left her hospitalist position and became trained in Gerson therapy, functional medicine, nutrigenomics, and ozone therapy, and quickly uncovered that 90% of disease is a result of lifestyle, diet, and environment, as well as discovered that the body has all the answers to heal and reverse chronic disease. In today's episode, we talk all about hidden infections, how to spot them, different symptoms that could be coming up if you have them, and most importantly, how to treat them. She goes over all the ins and outs to that and just talks about health from a very holistic perspective, which as you know, we love here on the podcast. It was an absolute blast to have her on the show. She brought so much wisdom and insight that I know you guys are going to get so much out of. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the show, Dr. Jess. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I am super excited to have you on. I follow you on Instagram. I followed you for a really long time. I love your videos. I love your content. And it's just such an honor to have you on the show. Getting progressively sillier. So I hope you dig it. (laughs) I do. I do. (laughs) Yeah. So, and the reason I'm doing that is because, you know, even when I was in the hospital, I had to kind of make light of things, almost like try to be like Patch Adams a little bit because things are so heavy. Chronic illness is so heavy that if you didn't, if I didn't smile, sometimes I was going to go insane. And so I sort of taken that same approach now on my social media is to teach through humor, because I think that makes things a little lighter for people to accept mm-hmm. and, and still gets my point across. Right. Um, so I've kind of gravitated more towards that these days. I hope you like it. (laughs) I do like it. And and it takes an inordinate amount of effort. Like that Lyme disease one that you did, like how (laughs) how many shots did that take? Like, goodness me. I was literally, I was literally in an Airbnb with my friends and, um, we had this beautiful pasture, bunch of trees outside. And I had this human tick, like the tick superhero costume, that I had ordered off, you know, Amazon or wherever. And, um, it didn't take very long. It was just probably a few takes, but, um, we, we laughed so hard. It didn't even feel like work. (laughs) Amazing. I try and do like the ones where you're like transitioning, like there's two different people talking. Uh, it takes a lot of effort. Yeah, it absolutely. It does. And so that's, I'm lucky enough to have people who know a little bit more about than I do just like, par for the course, regular doctors, I'm not great at technology. So, you know, I can, 
I'm one of those people who definitely admits where I fall short and, and can delegate or hire out because I know I cannot do it all. I'm really great in small niche, niches and then really probably terrible and clumsy in a bunch of other things. So it's okay. Okay. So why don't we, st- why don't we start off by sharing with the audience, you were a traditional MD and now you're in the functional MD space. What was it for you that caused you to make that shift? You know, it was a slow, painful transition actually. And I really, I can look back and see that there were areas of, you know, black and white, certain things I believe and knew to be true. And then gray areas I still wasn't sort of enlightened to yet. And one of the first things that led me to see things were a little amiss was the food system um, in the hospital. And I really started to see just contracts of where they were, you know, Pepsi and Coke in the hospital or factory farm meats or processed dairy or, you know, Lay's potato chips. Like, what is that doing in a place of healing? And so when I started to realize that food actually was medicine and nutrition actually could change our genes, I thought, gosh, this is not health. And I, when I see an injustice, I really can't keep my mouth shut about it. It's just, I have to see it. And I didn't see it for years, for almost seven years, I didn't see it. And then when the cracks started to happen, I would go, I would become a disruptive physician. That's what they labeled me. I would go down in the cafeteria and I, those poor cafeteria workers, like they couldn't do anything. I was complaining to them, whoever's in front of me, right? And um, then actually writing in the chart online, you know, this patient is on a proton pump inhibitor. They've been on this for years. Package insert clearly says, you know, months to a year tops. Um, why is this happening? Um, I started complaining about, you know, discharging patients on 30 different medications while handing them a sheet about lifestyle changes and not really maybe spending two minutes talking to them about it because everyone's too busy. So I just wasn't aligned anymore. I could no longer do it. So I quit and got started to train in functional medicine. And that's really where um, I guess I started to see the truth. And really my eyes were opened as to what the human body could do as far as healing was concerned. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That must've been a huge transition and like almost like so hard. I think of how people go in from different careers and, um, that must've just been a really tough transition actually to like, let go of one, go into an unknown. Like, what was that like for you? Yeah. You know, it was. I kind of have a, just the way my personality is, I kind of probably jump a little too quickly. Um, And so, um, you know, for me, I was just so fed up with the system. I had, I was pushed so far, I had to leave. And it was a little scary. I mean, I moved from Portland, Oregon to California at the time of the jump from my career too. So there's a lot of big changes for me at once. Yeah, it was kind of daunting. I had no idea what I was doing. So I started out driving all over California, shadowing naturopathic doctors and, um, you know, working in an integrative clinic to kind of learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really, it was hard because I didn't realize that there wasn't a ready-made system for natural practitioners or doctors. Like, you know, as an MD, when I got out of school, I could basically, a residency, I could basically choose what hospital I wanted to work at and what field, what outpatient clinic. It was just my pick because there's a system set up for that. In with naturopathic medicine, integrative medicine, functional medicine, you really have to forge your way through the business world as well. And that was all new territory for me. So it was pretty daunting at first, for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I can, I can imagine that. Um, yeah. Kudos to you for stepping out into the unknown and, you know, unlearning things and, and shifting and, and having the humility to say that I was wrong because there's a lot of doctors that those words would never come out of their mouths. Yeah, probably so. Um, I definitely knew a couple of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think anyway, I mean, everyone has the potential to change, but it's sort of bred into us in subtle energy through school to have a chip on our shoulder, know that we haven't had the best education as far as 
you know, health is concerned or we are told that um, we're paying so much, how could it not be, <laughs> right? Um, so it's sort of bred into you in this subtle inner ways of energy. I can't really explain other than that. I don't know mm-hmm. how to put it, is that you were the best. Mm-hmm. And it's unspoken, but just sort of the air of the way school is. And by the time you're out of school, you sort of know how intelligent you are. And that's a label that you've labeled and identified yourself with at that point. Yeah. 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 I, d- I definitely see that in medical school. I'm in university right now, um, studying psychology and, and it's the same too for psychologists. And it's just like, I didn't realize how medicalized psychology was as well. It's been a little bit disheartening, um, a box that I need to check to get to where I want to go, but yeah. <laughs> Isn't it, it though? Yeah. yeah. A box. It really is. So your specialty, one of your specialties is hidden infections. And I would love to know more about certain types of hidden infections. Um, how do we get them? Could you just name a, a few? I'm thinking of, th- of things like parasites, candida, SIBO, Lyme. Yeah, those are great examples that you just gave. Absolutely. And I know there's a whole um, debate out there with whether viruses are actually real or not, but you can, Epstein-Barr virus has made a resurgence here lately with reactivation in COVID. And so we're seeing um, a lot of these stealthy infections that we miss because conventional blood work hasn't changed really in, you know, 30 to 60 years or so. Um, And that's a really long time without a lot of upgrades to that blood work. And um, so a lot of things are missed and a lot of things aren't checked, including the reactivation of Epstein-Barr virus um, after COVID, right? People, we were wondering why people were so fatigued, why they were so having so many other symptoms of brain fog and things like that. And that's one reason that was missed. Um, You got to think things like parasites, they're as old as we are. And they're not bad at their jobs, which is hiding. They don't want to kill you. They don't want to be found. They want to steal your nutrients and go undiscovered. That's their goal. They aren't bad at their job. And so a lot of, they evade most of our tests. I don't even have a, you know, um, knock it out, knock it out of the ballpark, excuse me, parasite test. So they're absolutely not bad at their job. They're actually pretty intelligent and they, they want to go unnoticed. Um, I would say, you know, besides the ones you mentioned, SIBO is a great example. Mold is a, is a good example, especially because it's not always seen. There can be water damage where you can't see it or moisture where you can't see it in a home and mold often goes undiscovered, but still causes all these mystery symptoms it's not really a living pathogen. It's more of a, um, a mycotoxin, which is a volatile organic compound or secondary metabolite, but yet it's still one of those things that is causes these mystery illnesses. I would say other stealthy pathogens, candida, you mentioned that one. It's like mold's dirty little cousin. They pretty much go hand in hand because the way mold lowers the immune system. Candida is something that is supposed to be in our digestive tract in certain ratios, but it can overgrow because it's opportunistic. Um, And so a lot of these pathogens, our task blood work are just not sensitive enough for. And even things like stool tests, they're still using polymerase chain reaction or PCR, which we've seen in the last two years, what drawbacks that test has, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of flaws in modern testing. And it's really, um, I have come to find that it's very useful to really spend time with talking to a patient or a client and getting a really long history and physical and intake on them and really teasing out certain questions that you have seen over and over and over present with these infections. And those are, you know, if you know how to talk to the body and speak its language and understand what it's saying back to you, that's as good as testing. Um, a lot of times, you know, what do you think physicians and other practitioners did before modern blood work and testing, they had to really do a thorough physical exam. They had to really ask the right questions and that's how they elicited the answers. And most of them, a lot of things in, in ancient practices like Ayurveda and traditional Chinese medicine are quite impressive. Very impressive. Yeah. I love that you brought that in. It's interesting. I'm doing, um, my thesis on readiness to practice in healthcare settings. 
And what we've found going through the literature is there's hardly anything that talks about doctor-patient relationships. Yeah, it's really sad. Um, I'll tell you, I think the stat that I read that was shocking was that most patient um, physician encounters are around eight minutes. And it's, it's because of the way of billing and the way insurance forces people to practice. And, and so, um, you know, that's, I can't barely know a patient's birth date and if they're oriented in eight minutes, mm-hmm. like seriously, I can't know anything about how their body works, their daily lifestyle habits, their triggers, their traumas. I can't know anything from that. And it's just a disservice to really think that that is truly healing for people. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, that's such a good point. So how do we get these hidden infections? Like you mentioned, there could be like water damage um, that could cause mold. I've had SIBO. I've definitely had some like opportunistic parasites, which I'm currently working on right now. Um, but how do people get these things? Good question. So, you know, I have a theory that everyone's immunity is lowered because we live in a pretty toxic society. Um, we don't think about a lot of us think about what we put in our body with what we eat every day. So a lot of us are mindful about that, but so many of us forget about um, the air that we breathe in with every single breath or the thoughts that we think the people were around the things we put on our skin topically, right? All of these things can still be absorbed and affect us in certain ways. And, and so I think, you know, we live in such a toxic society that our immune system is lowered in many ways. Um, And we have a lot of traumas that I think invite toxins in. Mm -hmm. And then that invites pathogens for cleanup. You know, bacteria are the great decomposers. They digest organic waste. Mold actually kills bacteria. That's how we found penicillin. It was in a Petri dish killing bacteria. Um, So there's a great ecosystem that's there for cleanup. But if we're full of toxicities, industrial man-made toxins, traumas, uh, heavy metals, these things invite pathogens for cleanup. And so that's why many of us are riddled with these things is our bodies don't have great um, methylation, detoxification, um, drainage pathways that are open to release a lot of the things that we're exposed to every day that invite pathogens in. Mm -hmm. And so do you think that's predominantly, you know, the food you you did mention food? Is that is that a main way that they're getting in just with more industrialization of food? Absolutely, for sure. And the water too. about, I call it infertility water. Radiation water is also fair, depending on where people live. Uh, Parasite and H. pylori water, for sure, because they're cleaning the water with chlorine byproducts that then turn to worse toxic products over time. And the water, it's disgusting what's in the, in the tap water. Um, Another place is, um, you know, letting dogs lick you in the mouth, eating sushi, from, um, you know, certain restaurants, um, is a good place to get, uh, parasites, especially, um, you know, I think SIBO is actually oftentimes parasites that then lower the immune system. So the bacteria can overgrow in an improper way, kind of like a candida mold relationship. Interesting. Yeah. So there's all these frenemies that play together in a toxin bucket, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a number of different ways that we can pick them up. It just depends on how immunocompromised we are at the time. Right. And of course, like if we're living in this society where we have all of this increased stress, um, that can lower our stomach acid production. It can let more bacteria in and it's just kind of a vicious cycle. 1000%. That's really, you just hit the nail on the head with the main problem I see with people. And it's often the hardest problem to correct in people. You have to think about how difficult it is to correct in yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> and then to have other people see themselves properly and see that they're running or burning the candle at both ends and in flight or fight. Um, and that is a really good reason that people will get recurrent infections and be like, I've done all this detoxing. I still, I don't understand why I'm not getting over the hump of this. I still have parasites or whatnot. I still have SIBO like symptoms. I still have, you know, um, Lyme, whatever it is. Right. Um, and oftentimes it's that they've got that they're pinged in fight or fight. 
and you just said it, it changes hormonal release. It changes glandular release. It changes your stomach acid, which is great for H. pylori too. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're preaching to the choir here. It's really interesting. Oh, but like I had SIBO and then parasites and, you know, you know, I don't have to tell you how much school wrecks your life. It's just like the worst thing in the world for your body. Um, but it's, it's so true. And, you know, when, when you've done all of these physical things, but you're still not getting answers, you kind of are beating a dead horse by only looking at the physical. Yeah. You have to look at all of it, but you know, nobody taught us any of this. So it's like unlearning or relearning all over again, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you said there's no specific test, but what are some of the symptoms? Let's just pick like pick your, the most kind of common pathogen that you're seeing hidden infection. And what are some of the symptoms? Gosh, um, parasites are really, really common. They're more common than people think. Um, and that's just because they don't hang out in the blood. So they don't hang out in the, in the colon. They don't just hang out in the digestive tract where stool tests are, right? And they're very, very inaccurate. Really, to get an accurate test, you'd probably have to do a, you know, a stool test, a functional stool test or PCR or something like that. And then maybe two or three ovum parasite tests, stool tests over time to get catch them. Um, but just to elicit symptoms from, from symptomatology and asking, talking to people, some of the symptoms people might look for is they may get worse around the full moons, um, which is because during a full moon, you produce less melatonin and more serotonin, and that makes parasites more mobile at night. Um, and that really causes people's, um, their bodies to stress. They often will clench their teeth at night during full moons because it's a stress on the body when parasites are moving around. They might get itchy, um, have rashes. They um, unfortunately might have an itchy bum. That often is one symptom that they have, rectal itching. Um, You might have ear ringing. You might have a vibratory sensation in the body, um, almost literally like an internal vibration you might get migraines. All of these things uh, can be worse around full moons, especially if you're dealing with parasites. In general, you might have gluten, dairy intolerances, especially dairy, um, just because with with things like strongyloides parasite, there's so much inflammation, you can't even handle the inflammation from things like dairy and gluten. Um, And women might have really horrible cycles, really painful cycles with parasites as well. Um, and so there's just a few symptoms of things that, um, parasites can cause for people. Western medicine may label people as having TMJ or clicking jaws or just teeth grinding and may say you need to go see your dentist or something. And they, they, they may not put together that it's parasites because we all think that just happens in third world countries. Mm. Mm-hmm. That is so true. I, as you were like reading off the symptoms, I'm like, check, 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 check. That was me. Yeah. But that was me. So I, and I mean, like I had a, a functional MD pick it up right away and I had already, you know, been in that world, but I just wasn't getting, um, the results cause I was stressed. Um, so what are some of the most common treatments for parasites? Great question. So first and foremost, I like what you mentioned in the beginning, you have to get yourself out of fire fight and calm down. Even if that means limbic brain retraining, whatever you have to do to kind of parasympathetic mode, because otherwise everything you do won't really stick. Mm -hmm. And I don't want anybody to be wasting their money out there. So first, like let's do the steps to prep your body. And that's one of the steps of prepping. Um, The other things are you really want to um, open drainage pathways first whether you decide to take, I don't know, ivermectin or albadinazole or one of those, you know, anti-parasitics made by conventional medicine, or you take herbs to help with parasites, you first need to prep the body. Um, and that means really making sure your liver is functioning properly, really making sure you can go to the bathroom two or three times per day, that you're well hydrated, that you're sleeping okay, um, you have decent energy, Um, that your bile is moving and you're digesting your foods properly. You're not seeing undigested food in your stool Um, that you can sweat, right? All of these things are really important. And when most of those have been fulfilled, then you can jump into 
antiparasitics can, from conventional medicine or herbs. Things, things like uh, mimosa pudica seed, which is a really sticky seed from India that pulls out things like parasites from the gut. Things like wormwood, which goes intracellular, which a lot of parasites, 30% are protozoans that are intracellular or microscopic. Um, we have things like garlic cloves, um, sweet annie, artemisian wormwood I mentioned as well. Um, black walnut, black walnut hull, which people who do have a nut or tree allergy cannot take that one. I will say, say that disclaimer. Um, Paldi Arco is a great one. Tansy is another herb that's great that works. Um, there's a lot of different Morinda. People haven't heard of Morinda. It helps with candida as well. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. There's a lot of different, um, herbs and combination of herbs and wonderful products out there that contain mixtures of those ingredients. And, um, a lot of times when you do mixtures of these herbs, I just mentioned, they are more synergistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like clove and thyme are really good as well. Um, yes. Yeah. And so because these, I like how you call them frenemies, these infections kind of co-occur together, will a lot of these treatments um, and prepping the body help not just for parasites, but could also help for SIBO and candida and mold? For sure. Absolutely. You know, um, herbs help turn on certain biochemical pathways in the body and they help give us energy. If they're antioxidants, they help our mitochondria function better. And so overall, when you're turning on positive processes in the body and you're helping the body to make energy and just come back to homeostasis, yeah, it's going to work on its own, right? It's going to do everything at once. It's going to help get rid of mold. It's going to fight parasites, viruses, bacteria, whatever is going on in the body, toxin overload, it's going to just help things clear out better. And when that happens, you really can't discriminate between what you're killing off for a second, third, right? The body is doing on its on its own by coming back to normalcy and nothing beats a body in homeostasis. Mm-hmm. With antimicrobials, can you overdo it? Yes. Good question. Yeah, you can. I mean, it's kind of like you, (laughs) there's always a too much of a good thing. And this is no exception. You know, if you guys have been out there killing, killing, killing things with herbal or antimicrobials, you guys probably know what happens if you take too many antibiotics and you overkill that way. It's like deforesting the Amazon, right? Some of that never comes back and herbals aren't that bad, right? But you can still overdo it with, with, with antimicrobials. Um, you can definitely, um, wipe too much out, be killing too much, exhaust yourself. I've seen, definitely seen people burn out doing detoxing too much, mm. um, And that's when you need to kind of take a step back and say, you know, what am I missing? Is there something that I haven't addressed? Am I stuck in flight or fight? Do I have water damage in my home? Um, You know, have I addressed any dental issues that may be causing a problem? Um, Do I have any trauma that's lingering that's still inviting, you know, negativity and possibly toxins into my body, right? Because we have shown inflammatory thoughts can change our genes epigenetically. And that definitely changes the way our body can detox. Mm. And so, you know, really we, we want to be evaluating all these different aspects, mind, body, and spirit for people to totally heal. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Don't overuse, right. Evaluate. Yeah. hundred percent. So interesting that you brought up, um, teeth issues. I definitely, I had five teeth removed in the last two years, because I had root canals and they all failed. Yep. And I just, and when I had another two teeth go, I said, no more root canals. I'm done with them. But a lot of people have these root canals that can cause some issues. Can, have you seen that in clinic? For sure. 1000%. Um, it's actually, I think an epidemic. It's interesting that root cause the documentary came out on Netflix and the American Dental Association had it removed. Um, You can only find it on YouTube now. And it was really one of the first things that put me on to how bad root canals could be and how this was something kind of a hidden source of infection that I may be missing. And when I started to really ask people and to dig into it, I saw that it was a bigger problem than I I was aware of at first. Mm -hmm. Um, I have some great stories about 
patients and people who were completely asymptomatic. I just knew they had a 10 year old root canal and we, they would get cone beam scans, CAT scans that were inconsequential or didn't find it. And then they actually remove the root canal and be black with cysts on it or eating away their jawbone, um, literally. And there were no symptoms. And sometimes people didn't find it. Now, if it was eating away the jawbone, they find, they'd find it on a CAT scan. But if not, if it's just asymptomatic with cysts on it, smells like death, oftentimes these scans would miss it because they're kind of archaic sometimes. Mm-hmm. And they don't, they're not 100% ever. And they miss things. And especially if it's that gray area where it's causing simmering problems, but it's not an exact label just yet, it's often missed. And that's what's happening with a lot of these dental infections. I've seen so many problems from root canals. I can never recommend them. I know. I know. I had all of this mystery face pain that started up um, three years ago. And I said, like, my teeth my mouth hurts. My mouth always hurt. I had these root canals. My dentist never wanted to take them out. I had scan after scan. Everything was normal. I finally took them out and I kid you not 75% of the pain went away. How quickly? Like within days. That's insane. It's insane. Uh, it makes me upset that this is a procedure that's actually people are no one, I, I would wager to say less than 1% of people are giving, given true informed consent about what root canals, the risk are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's not a matter of like, you know, if they fail, it's when I agree completely. Like they ain't lasting forever. That's right. There's no way there it's the same. We know this about heart valves, you know, <laughs> unless it's a, unless it's a, pig valve, if we're doing any other valve, it has to be, or excuse me, if we're doing a metal valve, if we could use a pig valve or anything else that's not night native tissue, it has to be switched out after a few years. And that's, that's because nothing that is natural that is you're born with nothing that man, man can make or any procedures can really compete with what the body was intended to have to begin with. And I truly believe toxins are, are, a source of our genetic code going wrong most mm. of the time. Mm. What are your thoughts on dental implants? If people are going to get their root canals taken out, they're not perfect either. You know what I mean? They're, yeah. they're a better option in my opinion. Um, but again, anytime there's anything man-made, there's risk there. And um, I've definitely seen them kind of not work in someone's gums before. I've definitely seen that happen once. Um, and then they had to go back and use a different type of implant. I think zirconia is really the best one to go with. Honestly, I, I would stay away from titanium really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but you know, even with zirconia, nothing is perfect, right? You have to have healthy gums. You have to have healthy bone, right. For things to work right. And it's, it's a much better option than a root canal. I'll say that. And I think they are much more successful, um, much more than root canals will ever be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I went with the flipper. So I have a, a denture that I take out because I just, I don't want any, yeah. I don't want any more procedures. I don't blame you after what you've been through. That's yeah. a lot. to go through. It's a lot while I, while I was in school. <laughs> yeah. Like constant fight or fight. Right. It had, yeah. yeah, it's so much. Yeah. So did, you have, did you, a, did you use zone in the mouth? I didn't. No, I didn't. Oh my goodness. That's something I would encourage you to seek out next time you go to your dentist is, um, they'll use, um, ozone, which is a gas. They have a suction right here. Um, but it actually goes inside the gums, inside the teeth and the porous channels. Cause it's a gas and it's antipathogenic. So, um, look for that next time too. I will look for that. Yeah. hundred percent. So you have a protocol called kill bind sweat. Can you explain a little bit what that is? I know we, we kind of touched on it, um, but we didn't touch on binders. Very true. Yeah. So that was on accident that, that caught fire, um, online. And it's, I guess it kind of sounds sexy or I don't know, serial killer ish. So it caught on, um, whatever way you want to look at it. But, you know, we we talked about antimicrobials and that's the kill part of the treatment, which should not be attempted until people's bodies are prepped. Like we talked about, excuse me, the second part of the treatment is the bind part. 
Um, and that is, you should probably wait, you know, about 20 minutes, take a binder of your choice, something. I really like the active carbons, Sepulvican Humix. Um, there's also things like zeolite and bentonite clay. Uh, cholestyramine is conventional medicine's choice or well call. Um, and then there are things uh, like activated, uh, char activated charcoal, which everyone has heard of that. And um, get, after you guys mop up toxins or pathogens that you have killed with a binder, then you hop in the sauna. And I would recommend about a 30 minute sauna treatment as long as you don't have any contraindications like heart palpitations or fainting or, you know, um, I, if you're pregnant, be really careful. If you have breast implants, caution with that too. Um, and really try and stay in there 30 minutes and break a good sweat. And really that, that binder, should, you should notice that that is telling your body to pick up the sweat more. It's almost like the body's intelligent. It knows that you're killing and binding things. So you should sweat sooner and more profusely. And that not only you know, really cools your body down, but studies have shown you could release some heavy metals and some things like flame retardants through sweat. Wow. So a lot of people aren't using binders. Are they, are they absolutely essential for this healing process? No, but there are, I definitely think they're recommended, you know, they're molecularly sticky. So they help pull out things that don't belong in the body. And if I believe that people are sick because of exposures and toxins and things that aren't natural in the last 50 years to us, then, then I have to find a way to remove those things from the body. So binders, I think have been pretty successful in my practice yeah. and I think that you could, they're probably make your journey doubly as efficacious if you use them, I would say. Um, but they're not absolutely necessary for people. Something like mimosa pudica seed, could that be like a bit of a binder as well? Yeah, it's more like a scrubber, but yeah, it's so, it's, um, it's almost like a sponge. It, it when it gets wet in the gut and gets digested, it kind of sponges out and is sticky. So it grabs things. So yeah, in, in that, in that, that way it is somewhat similar to a binder. Now, and then the difference between something like activated charcoal and, and humic and fulvic acids is you got to be extra careful with activated charcoal, taking it around other things. Don't you? Absolutely. And, you know, people who have issues, gut, gut and digestive issues can get really bloated with it too. Um, so you really want to wait probably longer with something like activated charcoal. It stays in the gut. It doesn't, you know, cross out of the, the gut lining. And so for that reason, it, you know, it, it's, I don't think it works quite as well. Um, and it can bind things up in the gut, like you just mentioned. Yeah. Do you use Cellcore? Do you use the binders and stuff from Cellcore? I do. Yeah. I like them because they don't have to be timed away from things as much, right? Yeah. They're a little more, you know, convenient for people and practical for use. And they work really well. A lot of the um, ingredients help to turn on natural detoxification and antioxidant pathways in the body. So not only are you helping to remove things that don't belong there, but you're turning on biochemical pathways that help the body do it itself in the proper way. Mm -hmm. And I like, because you can open up the capsule and not take the whole thing too, because sometimes like they can be a lot for someone. Yeah. 1000%. It's almost too much for people who are really, really, really toxic. It's, you almost need to start with baby steps and, and maybe in, I would say supplements that have maybe just one ingredient. So, you mm -hmm. know, exactly what's happening for some of these people. And then that may be like a step up treatment for them for sure. Right. So if people aren't, ex aren't able to expel things properly, like say, um, they're not pooping properly, they're constipated, um, they can't get into a sauna because of other health conditions. What would you, what would your advice be for them? Gosh, they can't get into a sauna. They're constipated, all that stuff. Um, you know, I would just say baby steps, you know, maybe you just start with dry brushing. Maybe mm -hmm. you start with getting up in the morning with the sun because getting, setting your circadian rhythm is really, really important too. So getting up and just grounding with your bare feet on the ground, walking in the sunshine in the morning to recharge your mitochondria that are your little energy makers, um, rebounding on a tr um, trampoline. If you have one of those or just jumping rope, if you're lucky enough to move your body that much, right. 
Um, really looking into clean water with a good water filter. They're just simple things, getting rid of household cleaners that have toxic ingredients, switching out toxic makeup, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, laundry detergent, all of these things are really important to um, just avoidance of chemicals, right? Just avoidance of those toxins can make a huge difference for people and how congested they are because there's really nothing wrong with their bodies. They're just overly burdened and their detoxification pathways are kind of shut down, right? So avoidance is number one in environmental medicine. And then you just start really slow. You know, I know people who can't have a lymph massage because it makes them so sick. Really? Yeah. And so, you know, what do you do with those people? You just start extremely slow with what they know they can do. And you add one thing at a time. You know, even people who can't get in a sauna, I'll have them get in for three minutes Yeah, and add one minute on per week. So you just kind of slowly titrate up because there's, it's not a race, right? Mm. It's It's just a journey. Yeah. Love that. Love that. Okay. Well, I don't want to keep you for too much longer, but I always like to end the podcast with some fun questions. So now you're the recipient of those fun questions. Sure. <laughs> if you were at the end of your life and had one last meal to eat, what would it be? Oof, that's a good one. That's really good. You know, my favorite food is rice. <laughs> And so I literally love rice. And so it would probably be some form of like stir fry, honestly. Um, I love that so much, like some sort of island stir fry um, or something. I don't know. It's teriyaki stir fry probably or rice bowl, steak rice bowl, maybe. Amazing. Amazing. Oh, yeah. That sounds really good. (laughs) What is the best meal you've ever eaten? Ooh, the best meal I've ever eaten. Gosh, that's hard. I've had a lot of good meals. There was this really great restaurant in Bali and it was like a 10 course meal. And that was probably, I mean, literally one of the courses that came out looked like, like this hanging nest with like eggs in it and birds on top. And it was all edible. It was real food. So, I mean, that was probably the most impressive and best food I've had, I think. Amazing. Yeah. (laughs) What is your favorite food? Rice. Definitely. Yeah. (laughs) White rice or brown rice? I mean, I, I feel like white rice, quite honestly, I, I will switch it up, but if I, if I had to choose white rice as my last meal, for sure. I also like white rice. It just digests better too, for me. Yeah, it does. I, it does for me as well. I can, I don't have problems with brown, brown rice, but I can tell that white rice is easier in my digestive system. Yeah. Yeah. What's your least favorite food? Raw onions. I cannot. All red onion or all onions or just like red or white or which ones? Raw, just raw. If they're cooked, I can eat them or caramelized even better. But if they're raw onions, I can't do it. Like you people just bite, take bites out of them. Like they're, oh yeah. Yeah. That's intense. No, (laughs) (laughs) not for you. Yeah. (laughs) What is your favorite restaurant? Um, favorite restaurant. Wow. That's tough. Probably. Man, that is a really tough one for me, actually. I would have to say right now I'm in Asheville. So I don't, I'm thinking of where I am right now. So there's this great little Hawaiian restaurant called Rosabee's that's delicious. That um, is Hawaiian food. It's really healthy Hawaiian food. And then I really love an organic Thai restaurant called bird's eye that was in Encinitas, California. Love some Thai food. Yeah. It's hard to find organic Thai. Yes. It's yeah. Fun. We, we just make our own Thai food here. Cause I would not go out to any of the restaurants. It's hard. It's really hard to find it. Yeah. Yeah. What is your favorite travel destination you've been to? And what is another place on your bucket list you'd like to go? My favorite place was probably Peru. 
that I went to in 2015, I went by myself and I saw Machu Picchu and went to Cusco and Sacred Valley and um, all of those amazing places, Lima. Um, and that was probably my favorite trip. And then on my bucket list, I really like ancient sites. I've been to Europe and um, those places, but I really want to see the old ancient sites. So I want to go to Easter Island to see mm. those statues that are out of the ground. Um, so that's on the bucket list, I think. Amazing. Amazing. What are some of your favorite books and what books do you have on the go right now? So one of my favorite books is now $800 online. And I got it from a bookstore in 2004, like a metaphysical bookstore in 2014 in Portland for 30 bucks. And it's called um, uh, Voyagers, The Sleeping Abductees, Volume 1 by Ashiana Dean. Um, So that's probably not a book most people would think I would say. I also love all of Eckhart Tolle's books, The Power of Now, um, um, The New Earth, all of those are wonderful. Um, and let's see, I really love Kelly Brogan's book, A Mind of Your Own as well. That's a great book. Um, and all of Joe Dispenza's book, Honestly, Becoming Superhuman, all of, the, all of them, so. Yeah, wonder, yeah, yeah, Joe Dispenza's really good. Yeah. What are some of your non-negotiable health practices? Um, people have to be willing to put in the work. If you're not able to do, to do the work, it's, it's really, um, I, you know, we, it's a working relationship and people have to be proactive and take their health into their accountability. So they have, that's step one. Um, I think people have to be accountable. Um, I think that, um, you have to have your diet in order and have your emotions in order as well to be healthy. Um, and there needs to be a balance of sympathetic versus parasympathetic in everyday life. And from that standpoint of being in stillness and being in motion when you need to be, you can, everything else sort of falls into, into place about how you love your body. It's really about self-love and finding self-love. And that's, if people are always searching for that, then you're going to find the answers to your health. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just touching on diet, are, do you have any like do's and don'ts? Like, are there certain foods that are like, people should not be consuming these, these are, are better. These are worse. Um, you know, yeah. Anything that I really don't have like a strict diet or label that I put people on. It's really about not eating chemicals for me. Mm. So, you know, if you're eating things from, that our ancestors would recognize, you know, um, meats that aren't conventionally farmed without hormones, um, you know, fish that are caught from rivers and oceans, right, without heavy metals in, in farmed fish, um, you know, produce and, and vegetables and fruit that are grown naturally without chemicals, right? Um, and so if you have a nice, healthy mix, I, I really try to stay in the middle, not be extreme on anything then I think that that's really important. I don't eat processed. I don't think anyone should eat processed gluten right now. I don't think anyone should be eating processed dairy. I don't think anyone should be eating, you know, um, you know, eggs that comes from caged chickens on top of each other. Right. Um, it's unsanitary conditions. Um, there's just a lot of things. I don't really, I'm not strict about certain diets, but I am strict about chemicals and the way things are processed. And, and, and logistically how they're shipped as well, because that's where the devil is and the details that way. When you say processed dairy, are you meaning like pasteurized dairy or, or like, it could, would you still recommend like organic dairy? What would you say? Yeah. You know, I like, I like lightly pasteurized or unpasteurized or raw dairy. I think that's real raw dairy is really healing. Mm. Um, I can actually get that where I am right now. And I do buy it sometimes, um, because I've seen actual miracles with dental stuff and gut things from raw dairy. I love that. You mentioned that I, I put out a, a video, how I added dairy back into my diet and I can generally basically tolerate goat, goat dairy, um, yeah. but I got some hate for that. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was like, wow, like this is like a really healthy food source, but yeah, that's insane. It's, it's, you know, goat and sheep dairy is much less inflammatory. And so is a two yep. you know, cows as well. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. There's a big divisive pull right now between like 
nut milks, cow's milk, what's bad, what's good. I don't like to label things in black and white extreme views. I like to, maybe you get to know the farm, maybe you get to know the farmer, maybe you, you know, there are different ways of looking at things, you know, definitely nut milks can have different fillers and gargums and Mm -hmm. xanthan gums in them that aren't as healthy probably as just raw dairy that a farmer hands you so it's all relative and you really can't judge people for decisions they make for sure for sure yeah I really I do like your approach you're a very chill holistic uh grounded I I appreciate that from you you. I try. I, I think that if you go too extreme, it's usually people doing it for attention and it's probably not the best advice most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. It messes with your mental health as well. What, <laughs> what is the happiest moment of your life? Ooh, um, happiest moment of my life. Probably gosh, back when I graduated medical school was super happy for me. Um, that was a great, that was a really fun time. I've had some, um, really great times, um, with some of my girlfriends in California, um, with some of my girlfriends, um, even yeah, in California and Oregon, they were, it was great. Um, I've had some wonderful times on, gosh, I guess traveling, probably traveling would probably be the best time for me. Traveling with friends is the, the happiest I've been. Amazing. And what advice would you like to leave our listeners with in regard to their health? That really it's in your hands and I don't want that to scare you. I want that to empower you. Um, You would not believe how much your body can heal if it's given the right recipe. And this knowledge is now coming to the forefront. It's just up to you to dig it out. Um, But it really if you look and you seek answers, you can find them and you'll be amazed about these illnesses that you're told you have to take a medicine for forever or have a label for forever. It's not always the truth. Mm, I love that. Where can people find you? Yeah. So, um, I am, I have my regular website at drjessmd.com. So drjessmd.com. There's a lot of free information on there. FAQs, kill, bind, sweat, all that stuff. Um, and then I have my membership, which is at drjessmd.com. Um, that is their different levels you can choose from, but that's pretty much more handholding, more uh, protocols, a community forum, some professional courses, webinars every two weeks and root cause quickies, which are super helpful. And then I'm pretty active on social media. So Instagram, Dr. Period, just period MD, TikTok, Dr. Jess MD, and then Facebook. Unfortunately, I don't like it, but I'm still on there. Dr. 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 Jessica Petros on there. So. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you gained better insight into how you can be the healthiest version of yourself that you can be. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and please leave me a review as your reviews get this message of better health out there. You can also follow me on Instagram at Lena Jade's Healthy Life, where I post fitness, nutrition, and psychology content pretty much every day. All right, you guys, that is it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode. And as you go throughout your day, always remember, you are powerful over your health.